It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The women's college basketball season came to an end this weekend across the country, but having had time to digest how IU season came to an end, was it a successful one? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Locked On Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rood. want to thank you guys for making us your first listen or your first watch every single day. It was a roaring success for women's basketball over the weekend as the uh, national championship game between Iowa, LSU, one of the most watched uh, basketball games just across the board, one of the most watched sporting events. We'll talk about that in a bit. I want to tie this to IU because we haven't talked about a lot about the women's basketball team. We've talked about some transfers and stuff like that, but... IU was, I don't want to say supposed to be in that game, but they were supposed to put up a lot bigger fight than they ended up uh, doing this year. It it raises some questions about whether this was a successful season. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be kind of talking this out. I don't really have a firm stance on this, and I don't know that I will have a firm stance on this. My, My kind of thought right now, is that this was a successful season while also being a disappointing one, if that makes sense, or an unfulfilled one. Because, I mean, for those that listen to the show regularly, when we previewed the NCAA tournament, we had Sabrina Merchant on here, and we talked about whether the Final Four was some sort of expectation for Indiana. And I don't want to say it was Final Four bust. It was certainly more than second rounder bust. Uh, IU disappointed in the tournament outright. That one's going to sting for a long time. Like That is going to go down as one of the worst uh, losses for IU kind of across the board in any sport in the last at least decade, I would say. Trying to put some context to that, I, I it's gonna it's gonna be one of the worst. Like that was a really good IU team that just came up short in kind of an inexcusable way. I know Mackenzie Holmes wasn't healthy completely at the end of the year, but IU was better than that. They were better than than that game, and it's really hard to swallow that loss. I mean. I saw the comparisons in the aftermath. I think I've mentioned it. There's a lot of similarities between this team and how their season ended versus the 2013 men's team and how that season ended. That team at least even got to the Sweet 16, even though if they were, even if there were bigger aspirations there as well, that team loses to Syracuse and and everybody kind of has that game etched in their memory as a painful one, I I mean, this this women's game is up there. I honestly think it might be worse because it, IU didn't even get to the Sweet 16. You're playing at home. 
I mean, Miami did go deeper into the tournament, but man, that was such a rough loss. And there are some differences between the men's team and this women's team. I think we, uh, with that men's team, that kind of felt like the culmination of building up to a moment. And you knew that having seen what the team did the year prior and with the NBA draft coming, like you knew this was like, this, this was it. This team needed to to do something and there was going to be a bit of a reset that isn't there with the women's basketball team. Not that it takes away the sting at all though. I mean, losing Grace Berger, the best player in the program's history, there's not a lot of getting over that. And we had good players on that men's team, but they weren't best players in the program history, even arguable to that. So losing grace in that manner really hurt. And there, there are, I think fair questions as well, though, to, to ask how much weight should we put on a one and done tournament? This thing produces weird results all the time. It rarely crowns the best team. The, it's it's more the team that gets hottest versus the team that's the best. South Carolina was the best team in the country this year. If you look at the the large sample size of an entire season that we had, South Carolina was the best team. You could say that about, I mean, that applies to men's teams as well. The, the Kentucky team that was undefeated to the Final Four as well, that was the best team that year those teams don't always win the title and that's not to suddenly take away from the title. It's just to, to add some context. You need to, you can't place everything into this one and done tournament and the weird results that it produces. But also, I mean, that's kind of what makes college basketball fun. Um, but the tournament comes down to matchups more often than it comes down to who's the best team. If South Carolina won that game against Iowa, we saw what happened when they played LSU twice. They beat the brakes off of them. Would it have happened a third time? I It'd be hard to make the argument it wouldn't. Um, I guess they actually only played once, not twice. But instead, Iowa plays South Carolina. Caitlin Clark has the game of her life and LSU has a better matchup against Iowa than they would have South Carolina. And they come away with the win. I mean, you can look at the one-off nature of it too. If LSU came into that game shooting, I think like 19% from three in the tournament and just suddenly catch fire. These things are weird. You, I mean, you can apply that to the IU women's uh, or the IU game against Miami. That first half looked nothing like IU, offensively, defensively, anything. The second half did, but Miami hung around and battled and did enough to win the game at the end, although they traveled like crazy. I mean, there needs to be a big conversation about women's officiating to go on a tangent here because anybody who watched that game on Sunday, the officiating was horrific, and we've talked about it all year. It wasn't limited to just the Big Ten. The technical Caitlin Clark got is one of the worst calls I've ever seen. She threw the ball, whatever. She threw the ball to where the ball was going to be inbounded. Like she didn't hand it to a ref. So be it. But like, it's not like she chucked it to the other end of the court. It went to the baseline where the ref was going to walk down there and pick it up. Anyway, 
that was some awful officiating. And, and I mean, you, we've seen the IU game where they missed uh, four steps taken by the Miami player before the shot. IU lost because they didn't come out in that first half. But that, I mean, that adds to how much this, that loss stung. Look, I don't, that was a such a disappointing way for that this season to come to an end that I don't know that I would even argue too much if somebody said it wasn't a successful season. What I would point to is, again, as I was saying with South Carolina, the large body of work that exists to that says it was a successful season. Let's talk about that large body of work and look at why I think it ultimately was a successful season for the Hoosiers. Before we do that, let's talk about Built Bar. Built March Madness Bracket is wrapping up. You guys can head on over there today to vote for your favorites at BuiltMarchMadness.com. Look, even if you don't like the ones that are in the, the finals of the bracket, even if you don't honestly care that much, vote just so you can enter the drawings because 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built. One lucky locked on fan will get a 12 month subscription to built. It is free food and free food is the best food. Having said that built is actually very good. They're the best protein bar. They're covered in hundred percent real chocolate. They have a ton of flavors, which you can see with their bracket. You guys can go and vote if you want. But just use the bracket to look at all the flavors they have as well. See what people think are some of their favorites. Head to the website. Pick some out today. You can go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote. You can go to the website to pick them up. You can go to Sam's Club. You can go to Walmart as well to pick up uh, Built Bars. I promise, guys, you won't regret it. But if you want to head on over there, you can vote. Uh, it, <laughs> you can vote every day in March, as the ad read says, if I'm being honest. But it's April. I'd imagine that bracket's wrapping up soon. So head on over there, vote, and support your pick. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Big thanks to you guys again for making us your first listen, your first watch. Subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We are rapidly closing in. Transfer season and March Madness have been good to us. You guys have been amazing with the support you're showing. So... If you haven't, just subscribe, and this will come daily. We'll have little instant reactions to transfer news as it happens throughout the next couple weeks and month as well. That first segment was a little bit of a downer, and honestly, that's just kind of the note I think IU women's basketball left on. It was a sour note. It was not a fun way to go out. But you have to look at the big picture when discussing this team. The big picture is this was one of the best teams in the country. This was earnestly, I think, the clear second best team in the country this year. South Carolina was the best team. IU was the second best team. And that matters. And they have the hardware to show it. They have a the program's first outright Big Ten title. And I think just for that history alone, you can call this as a, a successful season. 
this isn't a situation like the Kansas men's team that's won like four billion conference titles in a row. And if you win one, that doesn't automatically qualify you as a successful season. There's very different standards right now for the IU women's team. And I'd love to get to that that level with as the Kansas men's team where the expectation is to win the conference title. And the to make it successful, you have to do something more than that. But that's not where we are. Where we are is that this was the program's first outright title. It's only the second ever conference regular season title. That matters. And the way they went about doing it this year and what they've built also matters in whether this was a successful season. I think one of the biggest takeaways I'm going to have from this season is the fan support and how much that snowballed throughout the year. We were here back in August, honestly, September, October, talking to you about this team previewing this team we knew they'd be good but one i would say i didn't know that they'd be this good and two seeing the fan support swell as the season went along was incredible i was at the game on new year's day against nebraska where we set an attendance record at just over ten thousand people that was the i think the regular season attendance record i was there a couple weeks later when they played ohio state and they set the attendance record. I was there. I wasn't there at the Iowa game where, again, they set the attendance record. I was there at the Purdue game at the end of the season where they sold out of tickets. The place wasn't full. They counted the tickets sold and not the seats in or the butts in the seats. But still, they sold out a women's basketball game. That was incredible. We showed up 45 minutes early and had to go to the balcony. It was incredible to see that. That's, I think, one of the biggest takeaways I'll have. And again, for that alone, just seeing that support swell and hopefully something that continues moving forward, I think this season is successful. If you want actual results, there were a number of things. And I think the memories that we associate with this team also are why it'll be successful. Even that men's team, uh, the 2012-2013 team, there are memories you have from that or from that season. You remember, obviously, the, the Michigan games. Everybody remembers. But there are snapshots from that season uh, that you remember. And the North Carolina game where they ran them off the floor, um, whatever it may be. You guys can, can share some of your favorites. The Michigan State game they won on the road. Uh, when I think Michigan state was top five as well, pick whichever Michigan game you want. There were the Ohio state game. I remember on the road as well. Like there were so many games that were so much fun. Um, I think those things also apply to the women's team. You can look at the third game of the year winning at Tennessee is when you got the first sense that, Oh, this seems probably going to be good now Tennessee didn't end up being as good as we thought they were going to be but still winning against UNC without grace and the way they did that that was a statement that's when I realized how good this team was going to be because that was saying look grace is really good but we still have a lot of talent and they ran that UNC team off the floor 
Again, that UNC team didn't end up being quite as good as we thought they were going to be, but, I mean, this team racked up those types of moments throughout the year. They beat Maryland at home in their only meeting, and beating Maryland at any point is a good win. But, I mean, the the string of results they put together as the Big Ten season went along, that Ohio State game, that third quarter specifically from that Ohio State game, I'm going to remember forever that's as as loud as i've heard assembly hall over any period of time it just the roars from that from the crowd as iu kept turning them over and getting fast break layups that was incredible beating iowa at home that's your iu michigan game from that year is beating iowa at home those two matchups were incredible if it wasn't for a miracle three-pointer iu would have swept the the national champion runner-ups um, those two games were both incredible. The Purdue game to end the season where you're celebrating beating Purdue, celebrating a big 10 title, everything about that felt like a crowning moment, a crowning day for the program. None of that goes away and all those memories still happen. And all those, I think when you take all that in totality, that's why this is a successful season. You've built something here that now you can take forward. I think that's going to be the challenge with this team. That's where I think the biggest deviation from the 2012-13 team is, and I kind of mentioned it. This felt like building up to something, but it wasn't like, like there is stuff left, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. IU's going to be really good next year. That 2012-13 team, they had to do something with that season because you knew everybody was leaving after that. That ultimately kind of ended up being flash in the pan might be even a little harsh, but I mean, considering how much IU fell off after that, that 2012-13 team didn't really like bring the program back as much as we thought it did in the moment. That's going to be the challenge for this women's team. I have full faith in Terry Moore and in the staff that they're not going to let that happen, but it's going to be a challenge to build off of this and to keep this going. And they're going to be able to do it next season just on the talent that they already have. It's going to be building past next season as well. And on that note, let's look at what the future is going to hold. We've seen, we have two early top 25s coming out. IU's going to be up there with the best teams in the country again. We'll talk about that and who they're going to be competing against here in just a moment. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. It's one of my favorite traditions is as soon as the se- a season is done, looking at a too early top 25. Maybe don't do it with them inside because IU ain't going to be in any of those right now. Uh, and they're probably not going to be in any preseason top 25. And there's going to be way too many questions about them. There are far less questions about the women's team. ESPN released theirs. Charlie Cream uh, released it. The Hoosiers came in at number five. 
for next year's top 25. UConn was number one, which is fair. No team suffered as many injuries as they did this year. They were brutalized by injuries. If they are healthy, they are the top team in the country. And I don't, it might not be close. Utah was number two. They bring back a number of players from the team that was the number two seed in IU's region. Interestingly, there are three teams from the same region uh, as the Hoosiers that are in the top five because LSU is number three. Angel Reese is back. They have the number one recruiting class. That team's going to be really good again. And then you get to the interesting ones. Iowa comes in at number four. IU comes in at number five. There's a debate there, I think. I'm not going to sit here and argue against putting Iowa fourth. They just had a, a magical tourney run. They're going to lose a lot of talent, though. Monica Sinano is gone. McKenna Warnock is gone. That's a lot of points right there that they are having to replace for next season. Kaylin Clark is back, and obviously that's a really big deal. Kate Martin is back. Gabby Marshall is back. They have some talent, but Cezano and Warnock accounted for 27 points and 13 rebounds per game last season. That's a lot to replace. At the same time, IU, we just said, is losing the best player in program history in Grace Berger. McKenzie, I mean, technically is probably going to become that this next season. But I I mean, Grace was, she's the foundation everything's built on for where the program is right now. I think there are less questions about what IU has returning. There might be some questions about the star power. I will say right now, and we're going to start it very early, I'm not letting the debate between McKenzie Holmes and Caitlin Clark get out of hand this time around. That was a close competition during the Big Ten season this year. Caitlin Clark, I think, probably deserved it, and she earned it at the end of the year. Her, her I don't want to say crazy shot. It was a really good shot she hit against IU. Um I mean, when you have a moment like that, it's kind of like a Heisman moment just for like a player of the year award. Like it's going to be really hard to make an argument against her for that. McKenzie, we're not allowing that conversation to get wild this time around. But McKenzie and Caitlin, I think, is a pretty close conversation. IU has a lot of talent around McKenzie. It's going to be filling out the rest of it. If you watch that LSU game, Look how important LSU's bench was in that game. They didn't play Reese or uh, their point guard, whose name I'm blanking on, Alexis Morris, basically all in the second quarter and survived because they had depth. As much as I use depth has improved the last couple years, it needs to get a lot better. You hope that's what the transfer portal is going to do to some degree. It's helped IU build some of that depth because they're starting five set in stone, I think. Scalia, Parrish, Chloe, Garzon, McKenzie. Building around that that five and putting together a, a roster that complements it. And they have some pieces. That's going to be the challenge. But when you have a starting five that good, you're going to be able to be a top team in the country. And they're, I think number four, number five is probably fair for them. I think there's a pretty good argument you can make with Iowa. I'm biased. I would put IU over Iowa right now. I can understand why national outlets probably wouldn't because IU is kind of the, or excuse me, Iowa is kind of the darling right now.
you can look. This is going to be a really tough Big Ten season once again. I mean, that's, that is another feather in the cap for IU if you want to make the argument for it being a successful season. They won a Big Ten conference title when the Big Ten was probably the best conference in the country this year. I know LSU won the title and South Carolina was the best team. They didn't have anything else after that. The Big Ten was the best conference, and they're going to be good again next year. Ohio State comes in at number eight in this list. J.C. Sheldon is coming back. She didn't uh, play hardly at all this year. They lose Taylor Mikesell, but Cody McMahon is going to be a problem for the Big Ten moving forward. She was a freshman of the year, and she is not going to get any easier to defend. They have a ton of talent there. And then Maryland's Maryland. And while Diamond Miller is leaving, uh, they have plenty of talent coming back. I They're going to be active in the transfer portal as well, I would imagine. They come in at number 12 on this list. So four of the top 12 teams are from the same conference. And it's from the conference that was already the best conference in the country last year. So it's not going to get any easier. Now, there's nobody. It's kind of similar to this year. Those four teams kind of separated themselves from everyone else. But those four were really, really good. Again, in the honorable mention or also considered section is Nebraska. And that's kind of how it was this year. People thought Nebraska were going to be that kind of fringe contender. They disappointed this year. We'll see if that's the case. Michigan, Illinois, Purdue is building something there. It's going to be a tough season, but IU's going to be back up there among the best of them. And so as frustrating as this season might be, IU's going to be back there competing with the same type of expectations next season. We'll have plenty to talk about with the women's team. They're going to be busy in the transfer portal too. There just aren't rumors there that there are for the men's game. When they get transfers and when they uh, secure some of these, we'll bring that information to you. Big thanks to you guys for making us your first listen. We'll be back tomorrow. I think we're going to talk a little bit deeper about Peyton Sparks, what he's going to bring to the Hoosiers, and the impact of having him in the front court is going to make to this team. Uh, For your second listen, make sure you guys check out Locked On College Basketball. They're going to have everything from the national championship game last night. They, You guys are going to want to listen to them to hear what uh, the reaction is. I'm honestly recording this before the championship game, so you're going to want to listen to see either UConn completing a dominant run or San Diego State pulling off an incredible upset. Whatever it is, be sure you guys are listening to them. Follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a quick rating and review. All of that great stuff. Most importantly, though, guys, hope you have a terrific Tuesday. And as always, LEO. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.